The following audio recording is classified documentation for case... I'm sorry, I'm not sure what that was. This equipment is in dire need of upgrades. <clears throat> this is Dr. Gia Castillo. The following audio recording is classified documentation for case H57. The subject has proven to be a bit... stubborn? Annoying? Well, perhaps difficult is the best word. Ideally, things would just go smoothly so that I could get back to what I was actually hired to do. I have a PhD in zoology. I have spent thousands of dollars for my education and title. But this? This? This is asinine. This is absolutely ludicrous. This is flat out stupid. There's no reason for this much time, effort, and money to be spent on Todd's little pet project. I was hired to examine how pollution and radiation could lead to the creation of these creatures from afar. The local deer population, for example, all of that research was led by me from my lab, processing the radioactivity readings, exposure rates, things that could have led to the possible creation of the not deer, in my professional opinion, is quite solid. And now, now I'm playing babysitter to some thing that Todd told me to watch over via nanny cam because he's too scared to. I have to play lab partner with something that never even earned its degree yet still gets the title. I'll have to edit all of that out. <clears throat> Today, the subject took that hellhound on a walk after breakfast, which was then followed by some time watching television, a shower, and then a frantic phone call. I won't know who it called until after our system synced tonight to pick up all the data from its phone and audio journal, but it exhibited clear behavior and body language of being in quite a panic. It sat down and has started to record a session in its audio journal. While the audio journaling has remained as consistent as before, there have been some changes in its other behaviors. My recent findings have shown that the subject has been quite resistant to Dr. Damon's sessions as of late. By the sound of its complaints and also of Dr. Damon's reports, the resistance is only worsening, which led to another observer being brought in not too long ago, Mr. Zimmer. Now that I have the utter displeasure of working with him, my luck only continues to sour. Anyways, through the audio files and also the footage from the cameras, we are seeing signs of something else for us to look into. It taking in that hellhound as a pet of all things was both simultaneously surprising, but also not too out of character for what we have seen previously. Creatures like those tend to be drawn to one another. But now there appears to be a third creature of sorts wandering around that particular home. We need to look further into what's captured on our recordings. The subject has mentioned to Dr. Damon seeing shadows around its home, so that may be a good start for us. With that hellhound, Grove, I believe it's taken to calling it, the team has agreed that it's best if that creature isn't around to further influence the subject. Of course the influence isn't intentional on the hellhound's part per se, but the subject's empathy towards other supernatural creatures has only amplified since taking it in. That puts quite a hindrance on the goal that we were given by Todd, so it needs to go. Dr. Damon suggested perhaps staging a sort of running away from home that pets tend to do. 
That may be our best course of action, but putting this into action will take more time and planning. And we have also tried to get rid of those black-eyed children that keep tapping on its door. A bit of pest control, as Todd calls it, but... Well, in Mr. Zimmer's words, like roaches, they don't die easily and they will come back. They seem to become only more adamant about being let into the subject's house. After the subject's investigation of those melonhead children in the woods, Todd has decided that it'd be best to attempt to round them up and bring them in as well. Too dangerous to leave them out, he claims. Eating people seems to be the line, but Todd has shown no concern with the creature our subject encountered out in the river. I believe he has a certain disdain for creatures with childlike forms. At least that's a theme I've observed. Ah. What brings me the pleasure of your company? Ah, Gia, hello. I just came to check in and see how we were doing today, do a check-in with the patient. How is it doing today? That is, Dr. Castillo, Mr. Zimmer. It just sat down to record a session of the audio journal. It was rather wise for Dr. Demond to encourage that, giving us a clear look into its thoughts. Of course, what exactly it's saying I won't know until later tonight, once the cloud collects the data. Though it just got off of the phone with someone, and has been pacing around the room quite nervously while talking. Fascinating. It's always so adamant about these supposed feelings it has. If I didn't know any better, I would say that it's practically human in every way. Look at it. The stress, the agitation. You know, the way that it so often curls into itself in our sessions truly is human. <laughs> if only it knew the truth. We're here to see how long we can keep the truth from it. I know you're using this to satiate personal curiosities, Mr. Zimmer, but we do have a goal to attain, and we must treat this as if we only have one shot at it. Oh, of course, of course. But you can't tell me it's not incredibly curious. It acts so human and doesn't even think for a second that it might not be. Even though it's experienced death, well, far more times than it can count. I've seen its so-called medical files. Dr. Rahal must really stretch his brain to figure out how to explain it all in a way that doesn't tip it off. And the fact that its body scars like a human body does is also fascinating. Considering that Dr. Rahal is being kept on a need-to-know basis with this case, of course he must get a bit creative with his explanations. And based on those little audio journals, we may need to make sure that the good doctor isn't getting too soft with the patient. We don't have the luxury to empathize with the creature. Would you empathize with it, even if we did have the luxury? Hmm, that's quite an excellent question. Though I'm inclined to say no- Which does not surprise me, given your reputation. Now, if you would excuse me, Mr. Zimmer, I would like to resume my examinations. I'll forward you my notes and findings once I'm done. Of course, of course, Doctor. I'll send over my notes from my most recent session with it to you and Dr. Damon at my next convenience. Talk to you later, Gia. He is going to break our subject before we can find another one. Bringing him into this project was a ridiculous idea. I get that we're here to see just how human this creature has become, but you can see humanity without shattering one's mental stability. 
Anyways, this would imply that the creature has become human at all. It's still what it was before, just with a human shell. Nothing will change what the creature is, no matter how it looks or acts. I'll have to edit all of that out as well. The subject has now taken to rocking slightly in its seat as it records. Something new that it picked up. There's various reasons that people rock back and forth, but if it's picked this up from witnessing someone do this, that would make sense. Dr. Damon encouraged it to engage more within the community of Witchden, mostly so we could see how it would socialize, but we didn't expect it to have so much success in doing so. The primary documented friends that it's made have been a few residents in town, primarily a Darius Chapman and a Holly Darling. Also, it is reconnecting with its old lab partner, Dr. Milo Lomax, who had never been told the full truth, hence why they were separated as lab partners. It has also been spending time with a research scientist from another department, a uh, Dr. Jamie Everett. I'm not sure how much she has been briefed on the situation. With the amount of employees here who have been left in the dark on the true nature of this case, it's safer to assume that she doesn't know. But I cannot say that for certain. I will need to reach out to Todd to see how deeply, if at all, Dr. Everett is involved. That hellhound has been sniffing around its house quite a bit lately. Whether it's just part of more canine behavior, or if it's more of the cryptid nature, I am not sure. Whatever it may be, it's getting in the way of my view. Has it spotted the camera? It couldn't have, it's still just a dog. Oh. No. Okay, alright. Uh, well, this is... This is bad. Uh, the subject has found the camera. How did this happen? This is... I have to inform Todd immediately. This is not damage control that we can afford to handle poorly. Damn it. Jarvie Buke is created and produced by Casper Oliver. Dr. Gia Castillo is voiced by Vanessa Rosengrant. Mr. Liam Zimmer is voiced by Andy Pixel Smith. Credits are read by Ashley Craft, who has created the podcast official graphics. Episode was edited by Chelsea Finley. Episode was written by Casper Oliver and Jenny O'Sullivan. Music was created by Luke Menis, spelled M-E-N-N-I-S-S, who you can find and support on Bandcamp, Spotify, and Twitch. Follow us on social media for updates. If you've been enjoying us, please consider leaving a rating, review, or comment wherever you tune in. You can also support us on Patreon or PodHero by following the links in our episode description. And special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Tristan, Perry, Devin, Becky, Nico, Danny, and Joyce. And now, if you've been enjoying Jar of Rebuke, a word from our creator. Hey everyone, Casper Oliver here. Thank you so much for listening to the first season of Jar of Rebuke. We are blown away by the support that we've gotten after just 11 episodes. Over 4,000 downloads, growing Patreon support, and over 300 subscribers. Thank you, every single one of you. There's a fantastic community growing around this podcast, and it delights us all very much. Now, on to the announcements. We are currently preparing for Season 2 to start airing April 7th, but we've got a few things happening during February and March. The next two months, we will be releasing mini-interlude episodes. They are canonical to Jared's story and will feature voices that you know and love, but they will be much shorter than usual episodes and will be in a slightly different format. 
We will also be designing more merch, uploading official episode transcripts, and hosting two contests. Keep tabs on our Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr for updates on those. You really won't want to miss out. Also, we will be revealing new characters, new cast members, and diving deeper into Jared's past and the mystery of the enclosure here very soon in Season 2. So keep tuning in, stay safe, and we will see you February 7th for our first interlude. This is the voice of Dr. Jared Hell signing off.